Yeah, baby, won't you put me in your 401k4? Domestic partners can't be denied their rights no more. We had sex on the men's room floor at the rest stop on Route 294. So you can put me in your 401k4. Cruising men's rooms lets me make all kinds of friends. But domestic partners are more than just friends in the end. Ten a night seems about right. I foresee domestic benefits galore if they all put me in their 401k4. Yeah, baby, won't you put me in your 401k4. Domestic partners can't be denied their rights no more. We had sex on the men's room floor at the rest stop on Route 294. So you can put me in your 401k4. Thank you. 
watching MTV. MTV boys watching MTV. We're all becoming zombies by watching MTV. Free, 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 free. We think we're all quite free. Becoming teenage zombies by watching MTV. Carson, Dylan, Claybold went on a shooting spree, gunning down their classmates after watching MTV, watching nihilistic acts of cruelty, both boys that went ballistic from watching MTV, MTV boys watching MTV, both boys that went ballistic from watching MTV, three, 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 we think we're all quite free, becoming by watching MTV. Mr. Sumner Redstone is acting politically, making violent music for all the world to see. Some Muslims with sadistic fantasies They learn to hate the great thing By watching MTV MTV boys watching MTV They learn to hate the great thing By watching MTV Free, 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 free We think we're all quite free Becoming teenage zombies By watching MTV Jane's addiction simulates sodomy. We're losing all moral convictions by watching MTV. MTV boys watching MTV. We're losing all moral convictions by watching MTV. Free, 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 free. We think we're all quite free. Becoming teenage zombies by watching MTV.
Jessica Lynch doesn't live here no more, live here no more, live here no more. Jessica Lynch doesn't live here no more, she went to the Iraqi war. Burger King and Wheelie wasn't hiring no more, hiring no more, hiring no more. The Burger King and Wheelie wasn't hiring no more, so Jessica went to Jessica Lynch got into a fight, into a fight, into a fight. Jessica Lynch got into a fight in the Iraqi war. Private Lynch drove her Humvee into a ditch, into a ditch, into a ditch. Private Lynch drove her Humvee into a ditch. Now she's gonna be rich. Jessica Lynch was lying in bed, lying in bed, lying in bed. Jessica Lynch was lying in bed when the soldiers broke down the door. Doctors in Iraq were healing wounds, healing wounds, healing wounds. Doctors in Iraq were healing wounds and the truth broke down the door. Pentagon made her a hero overnight, a hero overnight, a hero overnight. The Pentagon made her a hero overnight to get more women in the war. Pentagon needs more women to fight, women to fight, women to fight. The Pentagon needs more women to fight, fight the Iraqi war. Pentagon wants your mama to fight, your mama to fight, your mama to fight. The Pentagon wants your mama to fight, fight the Iraqi war. Hollywood wants your daughter to fight, your daughter to fight, your daughter to fight. Hollywood wants your daughter to fight, fight the Iraqi war. Smug elites. So they're the villains, and 
the opposite is America. Because America is now one big gay disco. Yes, yes, I that's am not, That's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What, I, there are no slurs here. Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains. And the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's, what they, that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Guten Tag, meine Damen und Herren. Willkommen jetzt. Hier kommt EMJ Live aus South Bend, Indiana. Es ist ein wunderschöner Sommertag hier. Und wir haben einen besonderen Gast aus Bayern, Georg Bruder, der sein Trio mitgebracht hat für unseren Konzertvortrag am kommenden Montag. Oh, wait a minute, I forgot. This is English. We have to talk English now. Welcome everyone to South Bend, Indiana, EMJ Live once again. We have a special guest with us today. Georg Bruder is coming from uh, Bavaria. He brought his two sons with him. They have the Bruder Trio. And we on Monday night are going to be giving a lecture concert about music. Uh, those of you who have bought The Dangers of Beauty know that part two of this uh, book is about music in Germany. I've given a number of lectures on part one, which is about art in Italy, because I can use a, a video or a, a, a whatever it's called. What's that called? What's that program called? Anyway, I can put pictures up on the wall and you can see pictures, okay? So one of the pictures that I put up uh, here, there's the book and there's the picture. It's from the Altamira Caves in uh, Spain, and it's bison or buffalo. It's obvious what this is. It's obvious in the, in when you look at this, that this is an attempt to imitate 
nature. Okay, and we talk about that in the uh, first in the first part of this book, uh, and all of the things that go with it. Okay, that's easy. That's easy to understand. Okay, but the question is, how does music imitate nature? It's not so easy to understand. So when I go ba da ba 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 da 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 how is that imitation of nature? That is taken from uh, Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. It's the beginning of the Sixth Symphony. And uh, what we're talking about is a completely different way to imitate nature. First of all, we're talking about time now. We're bringing time into this discussion, whereas uh, with a painting, there's no time involved in that. Uh, now, this was related at the at the very beginning. So when you when they excavated the caves in Altamira, what they found was flutes made out of bone on the floor. So that while these people were looking at those pictures, they were probably playing flutes. And what they were probably doing there was engaging in some type of worship. That's probably what these caves were. This was primitive man's Men are always men. They are always rational creatures. And a rational creature understands by nature that he couldn't have created himself and that there's a higher being called God. Everyone, primitive, no matter how primitive you are, you understand that there was some superior power that had to make this happen. And the word we give to that is God. And this was the way that those people worshiped God early on. There's never been a time when people didn't worship God. Never. Never. And it turns out that the uh, anthropologist Wilhelm Schmidt, who did a lot of research uh, in primitive people uh, in the Pacific, noted that uh, polytheism is a later development. It's decadence. People uh, need many gods because sometimes when you pray to God, you're asking for something that you shouldn't be asking for it. And you know intuitively that God's not going to grant your wish. And so what you do is you create another God that may grant your wish. And as soon as you have more than one God, you're talking about demons. And the demons will grant your wish if you sell them your soul. And that's the beginning of polytheism. But that's a later development. So what we're talking about here is something that's fundamental to being a human being. And it involves music from the beginning. This is what Chesterton said about in The Everlasting Man when he attacked H.G. Wells, who believed in caveman or some type of evolutionary stages where suddenly you had to be this, a monkey, before you became a man. That's not, it, it, you, they were men from the moment they were created, the moment that God created Adam and Eve. They were human beings, and even after the fall, they still had some type of understanding of logos and the need to worship God. And one of the fundamental ways you worship God is by singing and by music. And so what you're doing here is talking about an imitation of nature that is internal. We're talking about motion because that's what happens. Music happens in time. So we're talking about motion and we're talking about the development of emotions in the soul 
suddenly being mirrored by music. And in order to help us with that discussion, we have Georg Bruder here. I was just listening to him playing the cello. And as soon as I, I'm in the same room with the cello and those deep sounds are something you just, I just lost track of. I forgot that there was such a deep, soulful sound uh, coming from a cello because for the most part, I'm listening to music on YouTube and it's coming through a little hole about that big. And now I'm suddenly in the room. So anyway, welcome to South Bend, Indiana. Thank you. Tell us about how you got involved in music. Uh, okay, uh, I'm, um, I was born near the Black Forest uh, in, in a small town and uh, my family was Catholic and uh, we uh, went as young childs to the church and were singing and uh, I was always hearing uh, the organ and the, um, the chorus. And I think uh, until today, this is the foundation of my perception of music. Uh, this is the great um, tradition of, um, of the church music. Um, um, I think the center is uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, but perhaps Handel and the German um, uh, church songs and later um, so my all my brothers and sisters and me uh, we could um, um, we could uh, learn an instrument so and I took the cello and so then in my um, teens uh, so teens yeah yeah, yeah yeah in my teens um, suddenly I was really um, struck by a lightning. So uh, when I, some, some day or in some months or so, I, I, um, I really um, became um, aware of... Okay, how of, old were you then? I think it was uh, 13 or something. And what year was that? Um, that was um, 80, 81. 1980, 81. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is after the Second Vatican Council and after all of the yeah. new music. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. There were so-called youth masses too in the church. And for me, it was no strange thing. I knew this singing with the guitar and so on. But... I had this deeper foundation because most of the time in the church they were they were singing the old songs. Okay, that's not what happened in America. Uh, okay. What yeah. happened? Is, first of all, the tenuous connection that we had to musical tradition, mm -hmm. uh, the tradition came from Europe. Mm -hmm. Now, I, my audience knows this. I am biracial. I am half Irish and half German. And there, if there were ever a, way, a, 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 a point where these two cultures came in opposition, it was music. Mm, okay. Music, because the, I, there's a man, uh, I forget his name now, but he wrote a book called Why Catholics Can't Sing. 
And the explanation for that, we both had the same classics teacher, and I forget his name. I, I'm sorry if I, I forgot your name, but anyway, the point of this was, what do you mean Catholics? Oh, you're talking about Irish Catholics. Okay. <laughs> now, why, why is that different? Well, because the Irish were in a certain point forbidden to go to mass. The Irish were a conquered people, conquered by the English Protestants. They had their land stolen from them, and they did, the English did the best to steal their culture from them and their religion from them. And so at a certain point, they were not allowed to go to Mass, and they were not allowed to possess musical instruments. Mm. Now, you, we, we came home from uh, Chicago yesterday, and I played Irish music the whole time. There's a huge, I mean, it's all over the world now, but there's a huge tradition of Irish folk music in Germany as well. Yes. The pub where I used to go and get drunk every night, uh, you know, every Friday night. Uh, in the 1970s, all German music, if they had any music, and then I go back 20 years later, and they're playing Irish music there. Yes, I am. Yeah. Ray Fon Williams said, all music is folk music. But the difference between Germany and Ireland is that the Irish were never able to develop their own tradition. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Germany, you basically, you've just told us you had this unbroken tradition, yes, even yeah. after the Second Vatican Council. Yeah, and I, I have to, um, I have to accomplish, uh, yeah, or anmerken, um, that uh, my father was al always singing. Um, in the morning, in 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 the evening, yeah. Um, to make what did he sing? What was he singing? And he was singing Volkslieder. He sing sang the old songs of uh, Am Brunnen vor dem Tore from from Schubert. But this this was a an art song of Hans Schubert, but it became a folk song. Uh, uh, that's an interesting development because normally it was it it, it was the other way around. But normally it's the other way around. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, there there are a lots a lot a lot of folk songs uh, in Germany, and we learned them in school um, still, but that uh, degenerated. Now my yeah. sons don't learn no. them. Yeah. I was I was in uh, in uh, Austria for a conference, and this uh, guy comes up to me from Bremen. Okay. And uh, he's got a, a daughter who's in school, and they had a school concert. Mm -hmm. Not one German song yeah. did they sing. Yeah. When she, and so he goes to the music teacher and complains, and she guess what she calls him? <laughs> a Nazi. <laughs> because he wanted to hear his own music. Yeah. This yeah. is the type of situation that mm -hmm. they're, we're, they're experiencing now in Germany. But you've got yeah. this incredibly strong uh, tradition. Musical tradition yeah, that you yeah. can draw upon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so um, it's the same thing in the school of my sons. Uh, when in in the summer concerts, uh, the choirs are singing rather um, "Hallelujah" from Leonard Cohen than a German German song. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, you are right. Um, there is a great tradition, and in some institutions, they try to um, uh, to uh, to maintain the, uh, this tradition. Uh, in the in the lots of choirs in Germany, there are hundreds and thousands of choirs, yeah. and and they try to to um, to to 
to maintain the yeah. tradition. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we yeah. brought I t my friend uh, Heiner Frost. I was in a band in mm. Germany, mm. a rock band where we played American music mm. in the seventies and all wore blue jeans <laughs> and had long hair, you know. And, and uh, he created a choir, you mm. know. And we I brought them over here and we just we sang really sophisticated pieces like Avril Pert, the uh, okay. the Estonian. Mm. It's hard to explain this. De the depth of this tradition in Germany. We just don't have it over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there is a, I think there's a high quality in, um, in this uh, musical education in all the small towns. Uh, there, are, there are lots of music schools and there, uh, in spite of this, uh, this other forces uh, who are, who are coming in this, um, Uh, this um, models like Deutschland sucht den Superstar. It's like it's like uh, it's, um, I don't know the name in in the USA, but I think it's similar. Germany is looking for a superstar. Yeah, you know, and, well, and I don't know what are, I yeah. don't watch these shows. What yeah. is it? Uh, what is the name of these programs? Yeah, uh, America's Got Talent. I think that's yes, the, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, America's yeah, Got Talent. Genau, so the genau, Germans, of course, yeah. have this inferiority yeah, complex yeah, genau, yeah. because they, because they have a superior culture. They've got yeah. this inferiority <laughs> complex, yeah. and they have to imitate the yeah, Americans. And, and they are singing like like uh, like J Lo or something. Uh, they are singing the, uh, this rhythm and blues style. Yeah, but uh, still. Lots of uh, parents want uh, their children to 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 play an old instrument and um, and to maintain the classical tradition and so there there's still um, a grounding there yeah? Yeah. and and they have they have lots of orchestras uh, and in all towns there are orchestras in the schools and uh, in the um, even in the lander. So they have the youth orchestra of Bavaria or the youth orchestra right. of Berlin or yeah. something, yeah. Yeah. And um, and then you know uh, this. Uh, the, it's um, there is open money. And, um, it's the um, political. It's it's a as 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 an öffentliche Gelder. Public money yeah, is public, available. Yeah, public money for lots of lots of. Lots of orchestras um, uh, because um, they have broadcasting orchestras in every great city uh, in Frankfurt, in Hamburg, right. and, and so on. Right. And the Philharmonic orchestras of the cities. And um, so, in nowadays, um, the situation is that the whole world is knocking at the door. Uh, the young students of China or Kazakhstan or uh, um, they are they are they are very um, they are very good educated and they try to get um, get um, was heißt Stellen eine Stelle positions yeah positions in these orchestras because there's no okay there's no country right. in the whole world which has so much positions for uh, for musicians okay yeah so this, so this is what Rayfun Williams came to America the British composer came to America in the 1930s gave a series of lectures at Bryn Mawr College outside of Philadelphia about national music. Mm. And he said, all music is national music. Mm. Mm. Okay, so when you, if you bump into Johann Sebastian Bach mm. on the street mm. and you say, how are you? He's not going to understand you. You have to say, <laughs> wie geht es Ihnen? Okay. So yeah. this is what you have to do. And he says, the problem with 
English music is basically Handel. Ah, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so what you had at this point, a, a genius, okay, in uh, 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 the 18th century, born the same year that Bach is, completely different life. Okay, he was a superstar that was involved in promoting Italian opera mm -hmm. yeah. all over the world. He was famous. Mm -hmm. Bach is off by himself. Nobody knows who he is. Mm -hmm. He he went to introduce him to, uh, to himself to uh, introduce to Telemann, mm. and he was ashamed that he didn't wasn't famous enough to talk to <laughs> Telemann. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's here's Handel, and so when George the the they gotta have a Protestant, you can't have a Catholic king in England. So they get this guy from Hanover, mm. and he says, "I'm bringing my musician." Because then he brings Handel to <laughs> London, and Handel just blows everybody away. <laughs> There's no one. No one who can play as well as Handel can. Mm -hmm. And so he, he's got this ear and he comes and he thinks, now what would the English like? Let me listen to a little English dance music. A little and he comes up with the water music. Mm -hmm. And then he comes up with the fireworks music. Mm -hmm. And this is absolutely stunning music. There's not an uninteresting part in this mm -hmm. thing. But the problem is, he's a German. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem, okay? <laughs> Reminds me of Monty Python, okay? Oh, you're a German. I thought there was something wrong with you. <laughs> anyway, back to, from this ridiculous, back to the sublime here. So anyway, what Rayfon Williams says is that at this point, the Englishmen thought they had to become Germans. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not a German. Mm -hmm. And the other problem is, I think that the English have this, they can't express emotion. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of their own. This is my experience from thinking of some of my best friends are English, okay? <laughs> but I remember... The, the experience I had in Germany where I'm talking to this lady and every time the, the conversation gets serious, she cracks a joke, <laughs> you know, like, well, let's not get too serious here. Mm -hmm. Like the, the position of uh, Roger Scruton mm -hmm. in England, I think is a good example. Okay. But anyway, so you got Bach, one of the, the, the I'd say the greatest genius mm -hmm. in the history of music. Mm -hmm. He's a German. And the question is, can these Chinamen come and be and become Germans? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, in these days, um, it's um, it always see it it um, almost seems that um, the uh, the international musicians um, they have the consciousness of being the better. Uh, interpreters than the Germans themselves. Why is that so? I don't know. Uh, but um, uh, I I had a conversation sometime in a in a in a it was a so-called Meister course in the south of Munich, and um, there were uh, it was typical there were um, people from. Poland, from uh, from the southwest of Europe, and so on, and th there was a there was a there was a concert, and and after that, it was a nice conversation about uh, music and Germany and so on, and there was um, they they were totally conscious that they are the better musicians than the Germans. The Chinese, no the, the Japanese, no the East European, the East European. Yeah. And um, so for me, it was normal to hear that. But in one or two years, I thought about that and I thought some, um, there, 
it's an interesting point, but um, is that true? Um, so when you look, we're just first of all, we're yeah. only talking about performance here. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking yeah. about com yeah. composing music. Yes. Yeah, so can a Chinaman compose uh, German music? Um, yeah, they. they are, oh, why should he? Why yeah, should he? Yeah, he should compose Chinese music. Yeah. Like five notes, five yeah. tones. Yes, you know yeah. what I mean? That yeah, would be yeah, that would, yeah, that would yeah. be Chinese music. Yeah. My daughter. I have a, a Russian daughter-in-law. Um, if you listen to the music that we play here, that was the Jones Trio. That's what we were capable okay, of doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, when we try real hard, we can do folk music, mm -hmm. you know. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but she she used to say that, um, you know, the Chinese can't play Russian music. I mm -hmm. mean, they they are good at imitating. Yes. And so 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 we have uh, first of all, ballet is Russian. It's actually a Russian French collaboration. Mm -hmm. But you have something like. Um, Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was the first thing he wrote. It was absolutely stunning. And mm -hmm. it's been there forever. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's a ballet. And so the Chinese are going to get involved in doing ballet. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So what do they do? So there's this Chinaman. And he's the grand finale of, um, mm -hmm. of uh, Swan Lake. Lake. Okay? And he's standing there. And he's got one ballerina standing on this shoulder. <laughs> and one ballerina standing <laughs> on this shoulder. And one on his head. <laughs> And they're playing da 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 Well, this is not, wait a minute, fellas, stop. This is not ballet. This is like acrobatics. I know it's difficult to do. I mean, I couldn't do that. You couldn't do it, right? You know what I mean? But it's not ballet. It's kind of like this misinterpretation because, and so the Irish have their own music that's clear, and their music is, is the, as folk music, as I said, has taken over the world, but they could never do what the Germans did because mm. they were conquered. They were conquered people, mm. and they couldn't take it to the next level. And that's precisely what Bach did. Yeah, Bach, and then uh, Mozart and Beethoven, and then um, then the other other Romantics, yeah. uh, uh, Schubert, Schumann, and so on. It it was always uh, this high level. Yeah. This uh, this working in art for the um, in the in the consciousness of the nation, I, I would say the they, and, they knew and now yeah. and now yeah and now yeah. A, a nation of Zitzpinkler, we sollen Zitzpinkler anständige Musik komponieren. The 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 interesting thing is that now the whole world is um, is participating in that music. The whole world loves it. The whole world loves Johann Sebastian Bach, and the whole world loves um, Beethoven. Uh, in Japan, they have these grand choirs singing Beethoven, and they are learning the German folk songs in school. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they love Schubert. A friend, a friend yeah. from uh, Race told me there was a Japanese guy. He knew every German folk yes. song. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. could sing yeah. every German yeah. folk yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Chinese uh, too, and. Um, the, the interesting point is that the Germans um, themselves are step by step um, 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 entfremded, alienated, alienated of their own tradition. Yeah, and the whole world is consummating this tradition as as the as the um, uh, as the the besitz. Uh, the, the the possession the a, a, as the possession of 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 the whole world 
and this is interesting yeah that uh, um, the tradition was um, was ended after the second world war of of um, the great um, the great tradition of the German composers there are some I would say um, some some epigonale uh, uh, composers uh, you mean after time. after world war two yeah after there, world there, <laughs> there there are some some um, some guys like Hans Werner Henze or Wolfgang Riem they are they are um, in the classical scene in this um, in this closed shop of the classical scene they yeah. are they are they have a name it's but but the, a, a, but the norm, yeah. it's academic yes yeah okay yeah, so yeah. someone's got to have a name mm-hmm. no look uh, look I was in this situation with Heiner we were in a band together uh, in Germany in the 70s Heiner decides he's going to study music he goes to the Robert Schumann Institute in mm-hmm. Düsseldorf mm-hmm. and he, they teach him immediately 12 tone music <laughs> I said, this, they were the funny, I've told you this story before, but anyway, uh, Heiner does a, uh, an album and it's 12 stone stuff and it's Gawlzone or something like that. Anyway, in the middle of the album, suddenly his mother shows up. And he's got a recording of his mother saying, that is Kena Musik. That is Kena Musik. <laughs> That's not music. Well, it wasn't. I tried to explain to Heiner. I said, look, this is not music. This is psychological warfare. <laughs> And he laughed at me mm. until I showed him that the CIA was heavily involved with the Zomerkorsen mm. at uh, Donau Eschingen mm. and, and also by the broadcast by Zudves Rundfunk. Mm. And so who shows up at the Zomerkorsen in uh, Donau Eschingen? John Cage? Mm. How's that for a great composer? Mm. I mean, that's an American. I mean, you could, you could get a monkey to do 12-tone music. Mm. Uh, but the one, the one pr- man whose name was never heard during the entire time he was at the Robert Schumann Institute, the one name that no one ever mentioned, was Johann Sebastian Bach. Mm. Well, this is psychological warfare. This is not music. Mm. Can you imagine uh, going studying music in Russia and the under the darkest period of communism? Mm. That they would not mention Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky? No. It's, uh, it's unvorstellbar. It's unimaginable that mm. that would happen, and yet it happened in Germany. Mm. You know, so you've got, uh, uh, at the same time that the world is clamoring for German music, you've got the social engineers destroying it. Yes. Mm. And, and doing damage to the German soul. Mm. I mean, uh, so not so much for performance. You can perform whatever you want, okay? You can even perform Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay, but that doesn't mean you can still compose music. Mm, yeah, because that that requires some type of uh, integrity. Yeah, and um, brave a brave heart. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and that's certainly what Beethoven had. Absolutely, yeah. you can you can feel courage. Mm, I mean, courage. he. He, you listen to that and you're in, you've got courage. Yes. You have the sense, I mean, we're we're going to go through this in the concert. It's more, um, it's not so much in the sixth symphony, which is a description. So that, that thing I have, that's the feeling that comes through your soul when you walk out into nature on a beautiful spring day. Okay. That's the imitation of nature that you're talking about. But if you go to the fifth symphony, this is encouragement. 
you know, ba 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 ba. It's like suddenly you're thrown into the world, and this is on the world's terms. And am I going to die? He's, he called it uh, Schicksal, fate. So klopft das Schicksal an die Pforte. Yeah, the, that's the way the, the fate knocks on the door, you know. And so the question is, are we going to succumb? Are we going to be destroyed by these forces outside of ourselves? You know, and then you go through this thing and you realize that the, the, the first reaction is, no, I'm not going to allow that to happen. So you have this resolution that you're going to resist. And then suddenly you come to this kind of triumph. You're over the, uh, you get through the crisis and you, you come away from that feeling strengthened. You think, well, I think I can do it now. Mm -hmm. After having that experience, I think I can get through life's difficulties without failing, mm -hmm. without being a failure. Failure. Ja, um, music is encouragement and um, it's, um, it's catharsis. Catharsis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's exactly the term that mm. Aristotle used. Aristotle's father was a physician mm. and uh, he felt that it would purge the soul of pity and fear. So if you saw it, if you read the poetics, it's about drama, but then you have to realize, well, wait a minute, we see, we read the Bach, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. or we read Aristophanes, but they play music to that. Mm -hmm. So it was more like an opera mm -hmm. than that. And so everything that you said about applies about drama, like having a beginning, a middle and an end leading to some type of catharsis applies a fortiori, I would say, to, to music. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. So that this, what's your mind like on any day? When you're standing at O'Hare waiting for someone to arrive, you know what I mean? There are a million thoughts going through your mind. Mm -hmm. Some of them are annoying. Some of them are worse than annoying. Mm -hmm. And it just goes from one thing to another. And you just, but this is a man, I'm talking about Beethoven now, that you can trust to allow into your soul. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because he will make you better than you were. Mm -hmm. Before you listen to this, he can take your mind. We're talking about the motions of the soul here. And he can come in there and enter and organize mm. the motions of your soul mm. and lead you to some place where you're better afterwards than you were before. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, that's my... Um, my... Um, meine Erfahrung. Meine Erfahrung. That's my experience. Yes, that's my experience. Uh, the more uh, that I live, the more uh, I, I can trust Beethoven. It's really... Um, you yeah. can trust him. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, the way yeah. I feel. Yeah, you he, can trust this yeah. man because he's been through the fiery furnace. Yes. Yeah. He has own a life that was full of tribulation, mm. full mm. of problems. Same mm. way with Johann Sebastian Bach, mm. a man mm. who had, who had suffered, mm. uh, you know, begat 20 children, had to raise 20 children on some puny salary for some type of assistant mm. Kapellmeister mm. in, in, in Dresden? Or in Leipzig. Leipzig, mm. in Leipzig. Nicht? Und They were they they were able to triumph over tribulation, and that's the message that you get from this music. Mm -hmm. yeah, so in 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 the sixth symphony, it's not so much internal; it's external. Mm -hmm. So you know, you go and you're walking through, mm -hmm. and then suddenly you see the 
the peasants are dancing and you just get, this is great. And suddenly the thunderstorm rolls in. Mm -hmm. So it's external nature now. But can we, can we get over this? I've said this before uh, about my, you know, we, I gave them the tour of the St. Joseph River today and I row on the St. Joseph River on a regular basis. And I've started off, you know, you head upstream and it's a beautiful day. And the same thing happened to me. Mm -hmm. The thunderstorm rolls. <laughs> and you're out in the middle, you're six miles, you're up near Mishawaka, you're about three miles away from the dock. And you're heading into a thunderstorm and you've got these oars that conduct electricity. And you think, and it's getting closer and closer. And you think, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then suddenly the storm passes by and you get back to the dock, which is the note you started on. Mm -hmm. And you're a better person. Mm -hmm. This is this is the uh, the experience that you can get from music and the experience that we're going to talk about. And from my point of view, this is precisely the only thing that is saving the German people from extinction at mm -hmm. this moment. Mm -hmm. Because it's a classic example, I've said this before, of the artist can portray what the philosopher cannot explain. And there are some periods in human history where you can't tell the truth. Mm. And I'm thinking of Shakespeare in England. Mm. Uh, take, England was taken over by a group of criminals uh, under the leadership of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, and she cr created the first police state. And there were spies all around. And if you were caught saying mass or going to mass, if you were caught saying mass, uh, they would uh, hang you until you weren't dead, not yet dead. They'd take out your entrails and throw them in boiling oil for the amusement of the crowd. That's England. That's merry old England. Okay. You know what I mean? So in a situation, I have to, if Shakespeare wants to talk about what's going on in England, he says, well, let's talk about Greece. <laughs> uh, and that will avoid the censors. I'm saying we're in a similar situation uh, in Germany, and it's getting close to that over here. If you are in certain positions, you simply cannot approach, you cannot teach literature. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the university now, one of the worst places to go if you're interested in learning anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did my dissertation on Nathaniel Hawthorne. Uh, you can only, the Scarlet Letter only makes sense if you recognize that adultery is a sin. Mm -hmm. If your whole life is based on uh, being uh, uh, LGBTQ friendly, you won't understand that book. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I'm saying that the Germans at least have this recourse to this tr musical tradition. Mm -hmm. And we need to benefit from this. I mean, we, as, I mean, Americans. I, I have this, I told this story yesterday, but I'll tell it again. So the First World War breaks out and uh, the Chicago Symphony has to hold an emergency meeting. And the director, Chicago's at, at this point in 1917 is German, okay? The language that got spoken most at the Chicago exhibition of 1892 was German. More German was spoken than English. So he shows up. And he says, gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. We are now at war with Germany. And at this point, no one is allowed to speak German. We're not allowed to speak during 
rehearsals, not during performances, not after performances. No German. Is that clear? And from the back of the room, someone says, Was hat er gesagt? <laughs> what did he say? I'm showing, I'm saying this is part of the American experience that we drew what culture we had from, from this mm -hmm. country and then struggled to come up with something on our own. And it's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's been a struggle. Anyway, we've talked uh, long and hard about this. Let's see what uh, you have to say. Let's see what, what type of response we have. All right. Okay, guys. Hello. This is Mike Bajakis once again. This is the section of the show where we take calls from Telegram. Uh, if you guys who are joining us for the first time, uh, wherever platform you're on, the link is in the description for that Telegram uh, group chat. Um, quick rules uh, for new guys. Uh, there are no paid super chats. Uh, try to keep the questions roughly on subject. Try to keep to one question. Be respectful of time. And don't forget to unmute yourself. Also, if you guys want to ask questions in German, I won't stop you. Okay, here we go. Let's get to the telegram over here. You guys are all... Okay, you got headphones on. Let's go for uh, Patrick C. Go ahead, Patrick. Hello, Dr. Jones again. Hello. I, I would like to ask a, a question about music in general. And we're talking about different languages and that sort of thing. I'm reading a book at, at the moment. It's called The Music Goes Round by F.W. Gaysberg. And he's one of the early pioneers of recorded music where he would go around. They, he, was, he worked with Emil Berliner to create the flat disc in the late 1800s and 1890s to uh, mass produce audio recordings. And he would make masters, they would use all sorts of electroplating to make a master from wax. And then they would use this and either sell it or work with the military. And during World War I, what he ended up doing was he would go into the trenches and since he was a, an expert recording engineer, they would take the soldiers that would, would surrender. And if they were musicians, they would have them record their folk songs and then make records of it. <laughs> and then go into the trenches and play the music. And the opposing trench would come over and surrender. They'd ambush them, basically, with the music. It was a, you know, at that time, it was a new technology. Nobody knew what to expect. So they didn't know about this sort of technology being used to subvert people. And it still is used to this day. But I want to I want to mention that this is actually a very ancient thing. Um, in the Bible, there's the 136th Psalm, which is super, super flumina Babylonis, which goes the upon Babylon. the rivers of Babylon. There we sat and wept when we remembered Zion on the willows in the midst thereof we hung up our instruments for there they that led us into captivity required of us the words of songs and they that carried us away said sing ye to us a hymn of the songs of Zion how shall we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land so I would say that Babylon as yeah 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 Bonnie M. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a, that's a, that's a, that, 
Yes, we that's another thing. Zion. Let me let me let me jump in here and say uh, sure, the, sure. a story. Yeah, as soon as there's a technology, somebody's going to make a weapon out of it. We've been, we've reviewed uh, Oppenheimer. You could have used uh, nuclear energy for peaceful purpose. The first use was weapon uh, to destroy people. So in terms of singing uh, songs to lure people into a trap, there's a story that my father's friend told me about World War II at the time of the uh, Ardennes Offensive. Uh, we call it the Battle of the Bulge. The Germans were infiltrating American lines, and the Germans all spoke perfect English. And so they couldn't tell whether they were a real Americans or not. They had to come up with a test to find out who are the real Americans. And so they come up with this test of basically they train a machine gun on you and they say, sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> OK, and as soon as they started the second verse of the Star Spangled Banner, they would shoot them because no American knows the second verse of the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, no, that's a really hard story. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let's go to Alejandro. Uh, go ahead, Alejandro. Hello, Dr. Jones. It's a, yes. such an understand, uh, sir, for the first time. I am from uh, Veracruz, Mexico, Catholic uh, by faith and by culture, like my family. And, uh, well, I'm wondering, uh, the question for you is, that according to the U.S. demographics, Hispanics uh, are now the largest minority, uh, almost as the African-Americans. And myself, like the majority of my countrymen, have many relatives in the U.S. My grandfather, my uncles and cousins uh, were born in the U.S. and mingled with Americans. Uh, so do you see the uh, in the horizon the fulfillment of the theory of the cosmic race uh, by Jose Vasconcelos, like uh, with the expansion of the Latinos to the U.S. and Canada. Thank you, sir. No, the cosmic race already exists. The cosmic race is the Mexicans. This is the, the result of the intervention of Our Lady of Guadalupe after the conquest of the Aztecs. So the cosmic race is the Indians marrying the, the Spanish. That already exists. Uh, you don't need another cosmic race. So it, when you come here, uh, I, I, I gave a speech in, in uh, Los Angeles in 1993. And I said, the main thing that you have to preserve is your religion, because that is the basis of ethnic identity in the United States of America. So it's look here, it's already there. The cosmic race is already there. And then you're going to intermarry with the uh, with the indigenous population. I have one daughter in law who's a Mexican. I have one daughter-in-law who's a Russian. It's inevitable. It's just going to happen. You, you can't stop it. Certainly now you can't stop it. The question is, what do you believe? I'm, I'm a, I'm, I believe in Logos. I don't believe that DNA determines your personality. I'm biracial. I'm Irish and German. It's inevitable. But what's going to preserve your identity is your religion. And that's the important thing. And I told the Mexicans that there's going to be social engineering applied to the Mexicans when they come across the border to turn them in. First of all, the main thing they want to turn them into is Protestants, because these Protestant sects are closer to the government social engineering. But no, I, the, the cosmic race is in Mexico. It already exists. It, it will spread throughout here. Uh, and it's inevitable. And it's not a bad thing. Next question. 
when they call us Hispanics, I think that's also like ethnically uh, cleansed for the Mexicans because now we are not Latinos, we are Hispanics. Yeah, I don't understand the distinction, but um, uh, obviously they're, they're, we're generalizing about people who come here and speak Spanish. The, 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 prob the problem is that the native people, uh, the, the leadership class simply failed to reproduce over this period of the 20th century. This is my, my, why my son went to Harvard. Uh, my oldest son went to Harvard. I, I gave a talk once on what's the first requirement to getting into Harvard? It's existence. If you don't exist, you can't go to Harvard. Okay, and they didn't exist, and so therefore they had to go to the Catholics, and then they tried to social engineer them. That's it's an old game that they had. Same thing applies to thank every, you, sir, every ethnic group. Anyway, thank you. Okay, next we go to let's see, Quentin Heisler. Go ahead, Quentin. Don't forget to unmute. Hi, Dr. Jones. How are you? Good. So I have a question. Um, vocal music is actually kind of my life's passion. Not kind of, it is. And the studio I study at in Italy, our Bible is Vocal Wisdom by Giovanni Battista Lamperti. And so I kind of just want to pick your brain. Um, somewhere probably 65 years ago, all singers got off virtually and started mixing words and tone. You cannot make tone. Tone happens. If you make tone, that's physiologically incorrect. So... The only modern opera singer, I know he could be kind of hammy, but Pavarotti was the only one who sang it balanced, as we say, as Lamperti would say. So who are some of your uh, favorites? And I guess, how do you connect the, the rise of vocal injuries with social engineering? Do they overlap at all? They have to, I think. Vocal injuries and social engineering? Vocal, vocal injuries? So stimmen for that song. Ah, okay. Yeah. But social engineering, I say a kind of verbindung da. No. I'm sorry, I, I just don't see a connection. I mean, the Italians are the greatest singers in the world. I mean, I didn't say that. Tony Bennett said that. They are the greatest singers in the world. And opera is a manifestation of their culture. Completely different development than what happened in Germany. Okay? Yes. Because in Germany, you had the symphony without words. Okay? In in Italy, we are we are going uh, for every year. Um, we are going to Italy, and there is a high estimation of the fine arts um, in the in in the in the normal people. They are, they have an intuition for oh, this is great, yeah. And uh, but uh, they have this. Um, uh, this focus on the voice, right? Uh, singing and and and, and, and 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 I think um, there there are lots of people in the in little towns who could sing, and you would you would uh, f uh, uh, you would um, You'd be amazed. Yeah, yeah, you you would be amazed and say, oh, this man, he's a talent. He he should go to uh, to the opera, but but he sings for his fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, this so I, I think I said this in the book, but I think that uh, the opera 
prevented the development of mimesis mm. in music mm. because if you have the text you really don't need to mm. imitate nature the text is telling you what it's about okay, yeah. and so I've, I've mentioned this example before Vivaldi did a piece called Tempesto al mare which is you know playing really fast mm. also that's the Tempesto part but it's not what Beethoven did Beethoven invented the storm in music mm. I mean before the sixth after the sixth symphony you have uh, Rossini's, uh, eight, uh, I'm sorry, Wilhelm Tell Overture. Yeah, yeah. You've got the end of Swan Lake, which is another storm, but it was invented by Beethoven. And it, it be, I think that the Italian concentration on opera prevented that type of mimetic development in music. That's just me saying. Mm. But they are. They're, look, they're the greatest singers in the world. And guess who the singers were in the 1950s? Who were they over here? Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, mm. Tony Bennett. I could go on and on and on. They were all Italians. Mm. All Italians. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's jump to, uh, where were we? Ah, Mary O'Neill. Go ahead, Mary. Hi, Dr. Jones. Hello. Hello, Dr. Jones. It's Mary. It's Mary and Alex. And Alex has a question. Yes. Hello, Dr. Jones. Um, yeah, it's just a bit of an open question about uh, sort of the transition from um, the Germanic romantic music to the French impressionist music. Because I, um, I remember some impressionist their focus was to get rid of all German influences in the in the French uh, music, like you know the Debussy's, etc. Right. And um, <clears throat> and um, I remember you described once. Uh, I think it was in Logos Rising the uh, <clears throat> the Catholic, sorry, the Romantic uh, music or Romanticism as a whole as a Catholic uh, phenomenon. So my, my question, I suppose, is just something like, um, could you elaborate a little bit about what was sort of the motivation from the French musician or the French spirit to, to get rid of all this um, German influence in the, in, in, in the music? I, I think it was nationalism that played a role. Uh, but I think also that the musicians were imitating the painters. In, in France at this time, Impressionism is basically a, 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 a concept that comes from painting. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it was an advance. I think it was a step backward. I mean, it was subjective. Okay, we're talking about the subjective impression. that it Everybody loves French Impressionism. I think basically it wrecked the aesthetic of Jacques Maritain and Etienne Gilson because there was a kind of ethnic chauvinism there mm -hmm. where they had to defend uh, um, modernity. I think that that's what they were doing. And I think that the music um, uh, got hazier. I, I think you, you had emotion. Okay, a concentration of emotion at the expense of plot, mm -hmm. of melody, the mm -hmm. which is plot in music. Mm -hmm. And it became too emotional, too hazy, and you lost that driving force that you had uh, in like Beethoven or early Wagner. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, um, I always, um, I love some 
French composers, for 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 example, Camille Saint-Saëns. Uh, His Samson of the Lies is an extraordinary piece of music. Yeah. It's absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. And um, Gounod's uh, Faust is also yes, extraordinary. Yeah. We're talking about opera. Here. Yeah. And um, and and the impressionists um, Ravel and uh, and Debussy. But um, I always uh, have the impression that uh, there is. There is an academic style in the French music, and and, uh, and there is a ten a tendency to formalism. It's too much formalism, and I think uh, the impressionists they didn't um, they didn't uh, um, regain uh, this. Um, uh, the deeper emotions. It's, right. it's formalistic music. Right. Yeah. right. Formalism means you're imitating other pieces of music yeah. and you're not imitating reality. Yeah. And that's always the danger that people, mm. uh, artists can fall into. So, um, so Debussy, uh, La Mer, it's, it's really, um, it's a painting. Yeah. It's, it's really um, program music. Yeah. It's, it's, a, uh, it's music with the, like the first program music is Beethoven, yeah. the Pastorale. But, um, but uh, there is uh, this um, this tendency in the French uh, for this rational. Um, it's too much rational. Too much what? Too much rational. Oh, too rational. Ration. Too, too rational. rational. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's um, they they have this um, uh, this formalistic tendency. Okay. For me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's go to the. Uh, Excellent. Thank you very much, Dr. Jones. Uh, questions. German. All right, let's, uh, yeah, okay. Um. Cool, we can go to questions. Uh, all right, uh, let me check the chat here. That jumped on me a bit. All right, yeah, guys, start uh, putting in your questions here. And I'll start reading them off. Here we go, all right. Um, from uh, Catulus on Cozy. Uh, what do you two think about um, B-E-U-R-O-N, art school? It was interpreted by World War II, but I think it was the apex of Catholic art. Don't know. <laughs> Buran don't know, art don't know enough about it to comment. Sorry. Do you know about no. this? No, sorry. Cool. All right. Um, uh, from WK Worldwide, E. Michael Jones, uh, what are some good patriotic German folk songs we need to bring back? Does horse vessel lead? Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. look to say a German patriotic song. That's a sign Widerspruch. That's an oxymoron. They don't. They don't exist anymore. We don't have any German patriotic songs. Can you think of one? Um, yes. O Taylor weit o Höhen o schöner grüner Wald. Du meines. Ich komme nicht weiter. This is a, um, I think there are lots of romantic um, poems from from our great uh, poets like Josef von Eichendorff, and they are all patriotic. I think um, uh, because they, they they are they are praising the landscape of Germany and um, and this uh, Sehnen of the German yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is the real. Uh, patriotic, yeah, uh, real patriotic emotion. Because um, I think there are lots of um, 
um, outerly, also ne, ne, not uh, superficial or äußerlich. What, what would you say, äußerlich? Superficial. Yeah, uh, it's um, there. There is uh, some praising of the nation, but it's it's um, it's always um, um, in the danger of slippering. Yeah, it's it's kitsch. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, the a, parts, that's yeah. the problem with patriotism. So, yeah. so we yeah. had a, a concert here, Fourth of July concert in uh, South Bend, Indiana, obviously patriotic. The the people, he's killed the 4th of July because he made it a gay pride parade. Uh, <laughs> so they're trying to resurrect that. And so they start off with, God bless America. Irving Berlin, no, this is kitsch. Mm -hmm, yeah. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's not to, because you're praising something that's an abstraction. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, the, oh, du wunderschön in Goldener Rhine, at least you're yeah. talking about a river. Yeah, yeah. You know, or yeah. the, the song I sang last night. Back home again in Indiana, yeah, 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 yeah. you know that's uh, local patriotism. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think um, uh, you have to go to the deeper emotions. Uh, uh, you have to go to a real, um, a real um, connection you you had with your life for for your landscape, for your language, for your people, and uh, and this is. Um, This is um, connected with with experiences y you had, yeah. like the beginning of the Rheingold, the of experience some. of the Rhine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. the Rhine is incredibly important for mm. German mm. culture, mm. and this it, I think it's one of the most profound pieces of music I've ever heard, <laughs> because I thought about that. You know, it's it's a, a, an explanation of capitalism. Mm. It's brilliant. Mm. I, I've made invidious comparisons before with the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien mm. butchered the whole idea of the ring. He stole <laughs> it from cultural appropriation. Mm. He stole it from Wagner. Mm. He butchered it. I know this is going to get me in trouble with a lot of people, but I've already written the <laughs> article. But And, and I, I read uh, the Lord of the Rings as a teenager, and I spent like 40 years trying to figure out, so what's the ring? And within five minutes of watching Das Grandin, I knew immediately what the ring was. <laughs> okay, yeah. It was the, the theft of the cultural patrimony of the Germans symbolized by the Rheingold and then you take that and you turn it into the ring. Alberich is a Jew. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that mm -hmm. at the time. He steals the ring and what's the ring? Well, it's usury. Mm -hmm. it's, it's to use the gold to enslave the Germans. Usury enslaves the people. Mm -hmm. If you allow this patrimony to be privatized, you are going to enslave the people that are supposed to benefit. And that it's a brilliant brilliant explication of that and he was Wagner had failed with the revolution of 1848 mm -hmm. he escaped to Switzerland and he spent years trying to figure out what happened here and mm -hmm. he came up with anyway that's my idea of uh, patriotic music mm -hmm. next from cozy a Georgism respecter asks uh, any opinion on the Suzuki method becoming the gold standard for young violinists well, how did this happen What do you think about the Suzuki method? Uh, could you tell the um, the question again? Because I, I didn't hear it in, in, a, in an so acoustic is, way. Will the Suzuki method become the gold standard? Also, the best method Geiger zu lehren? No. In my personal opinion, I'm always astonished uh, or amazed how good uh, some guys are or some some girls are who who were working with the Suzuki method from their early lifetime so it's 
it's great. Some some great people, um, some great vi violinists um, got out of that method. But in my opinion, it's um, it's like um, you are going with totally um, um, strange method to some uh, thing with with an own tradition. Yeah. So it's um, I saw. Um, a Suzuki school performance once and there were there were all these little kids and they made this Japanese <laughs> bowing and so on and for me it 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 looks it looked like a cultural adaptation of the European tradition and to to bring that back and to say this is the gold standard is totally um, crazy for me yeah because uh, uh, I think our gold standard should be, the little um, kids should sing in the early lifetime because that's the best uh, thing to 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 educate the ears to have the best uh, ears, and then they should learn uh, playing these that's instruments. That's how Bach began. Yes, he, yeah. he began by uh, singing. Yes, yeah, and uh, and they they should sing these uh, things in in our tradition, and this is this is um, a, a much a higher level from the beginning than than this um, um, uh, than this steps from from Mr. Suzuki, which uh, which is uh, um, surely a great method for uh, for Japan. Yeah, uh, I told I told the uh, the people in uh, I told Mike Mike Drost, musician from Muskegon, I said play Irish music, and he did. Mm -hmm. And you can get little kids to play those tunes yeah. on, a, on a tin whistle. Yeah, okay. And they understand because they're rational creatures, even though they're very young rational mm -hmm. creatures, they understand the logos of music mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. understand that it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it creates an orderly world for them. Mm -hmm. And I think the other problem with, um, with the Suzuki, Suzuki method is that um, you have this canonizing of... Um, of uh, as, um, uh, another culture in some learning method, and this is not a living method. It, it, is it it's mechanical? Not a, I mean, no, I, no, not mechanical. But these steps are. It's it's um it's uh it's not from the core of the own culture. And the, if you are in in an in your culture, you can perform like your parents. Uh, your parents, for, for, for example, in Neapel, you hear your father singing yes. the old Neapolitan uh, songs. So, and then you learn this expression. It's your own expression. Right. It's yeah. your culture. Yeah, it's your it's culture. It's expressing your culture. It's your or, language. Yes, yeah. Or, or in Germany, you sing these church songs, if you are Catholic, or, yeah, and, and you are learning this emotion and this expression. Yeah. And, and this is, this is uh, the grounding of this musical um, musical production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think um, these other things come from from the outside. To, okay, um, uh, to to play some German folk song in this method. <laughs> yeah, is it like karate? Uh, uh, what, uh, what is karate? Karate, where you know ah. martial arts. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that there's this. Well, we're we're going to perform in a uh, the civic center where 
they're going to have martial arts demonstration. Why are we learning to be Korean? I have nothing against Korean culture, but why are we learning to be Korean? Well, because we don't have a culture. We have a vacuum that teaches you to be fat and stupid and a docile sex robot and wage slave. That's what you learn in school. And so the people need discipline. They have to go to a foreign culture to import uh, discipline mm. into their lives. Mm. So maybe it's the same thing with the Suzuki method. Mm. You know, it's a kind of discipline that gets you involved. All right, what, let's have some more questions. Sure. And, and some people were asking, they did, they were asking what the Suzuki method is. Okay, um, there was a, um, a Japanese um, professor who I think um, um, developed this method on his own. Yeah, he um, and he he was a real stranger to the to the Euro European tradition, but he he wanted to be a violinist, and then he he um, he he developed several steps. Beginning from very, um, very easy um, folk songs or very easy um, um, famous uh, compositions, for for example, of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach or of Mozart. Yeah. And then he's um, he um, came out of this Japanese tradition of making things together. Uh, there is not the one star of of the team, but we are a team. Yeah. And then they played it. Um, the 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 children should play it together like in tens or in hundreds. Yeah, they are they are coming together and then they are playing um, 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 some some Mozart tune uh, with hundreds. Yeah, and uh, the thing is that you learn in the group together better. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and and you you hear to each other and so on, and it's a little uh, um, formal. Uh, um, way to to come together so you are uh, yeah and uh, this method uh, become um, successful for teachers in the west too so uh, so they they saw oh the Japanese have great um, great success uh, and now we are we are trying to do that yeah too yeah. So it's a vacuum here. It's basically, yeah. you're talking about yeah, a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. You don't have your own pedagogic. Yes. So yeah. you have to import the pedagogic und die Musik. Yes, yeah. Man muss alles importieren hier, weil wir eben keine Kultur hier haben. Nicht? Das ist ein schwarzes Loch hier. Ein kulturelles schwarzes Loch. Okay, what's the next question? From Rumble, Mark Grossman asks, what does EMJ think of Broadway music? For the most part, it's kitsch. I mean, for, for, let's let's go back to uh, something that happened recently. They tried to resurrect uh, Bernstein's uh, West Side Story. They did a big like Hollywood production with great singers and so on. That that never had good singers. They had to dance and so on and so forth, and it bombed. Nobody went to see it. And so here we had a, a friend of the family uh, came to town, uh, Nick Belton. Uh, who's a professional singer, and he was brought in, and they did a performance of West Side Story, and I think it's dated, to be mm -hmm. perfect. And this is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. Now, there are uh, maybe others. I think uh, Old Man River is a great song. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can watch uh, Samuel Ramey perform it. It is a powerful uh, piece of music, but for the most part, what is it? It's kitsch. And so is this is this a 
I mean, first of all, the Jews dominate Broadway. Okay, are they capable of coming up with their own vision? We're back to Wagner now and his um, disagreement with <laughs> disagreements, putting it mildly, didn't like Meyer beer. Mm -hmm. You know, he thought that uh, can a Jew do uh, German music? Can a Jew? this is this is the type of discussion that we're having here. And the question is, uh, what about uh, Broadway? It's a Jewish operation. Is it? Uh, Derivative? Who's the best? Who is the absolute best? George Gershwin. I think that's the best thing that uh, Broadway ever produced. Mm. Uh, is that cultural appropriation? Like Porgy and Bess, is that cultural appropriation? Is jazz a Jewish cultural appropriation? I mean, how, how do you feel about George Gershwin in, term, in this regard? I never liked him very much. Um, I I was fascinated, and um, in my in my younger years, I I it was such a thing. Then uh, when the school orchestra should play um, a rhapsody in blue or something, this you felt like oh this is uh, jazz and so on, yeah. And so uh, this pop 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 So um, it's it's like a, um, a lifted emotion, yeah. But um, uh, as the years went by, I, I uh, step by step, I, I lost uh, my. I, I don't. My, I don't. My, I can't listen to Rhapsody in Blue yeah, anymore. Yeah, I yeah. feel as if I've heard it too many times. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, the mu music is, um, it has no. It it speaks not to my deep emotions. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, no one ever yeah. said uh, Broadway was profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to what I think is the best example of a Broadway, mm. the best that's ever produced, mm. Jewish Broadway, mm. and I think it's it's Gershwin. I don't mm. think there's any yeah. maybe yeah. like Aaron Copeland is not uh, Broadway. Mm. Okay, so they played Rodeo. I think there's something interesting about Rodeo. Mm. That, mm. This Jew can come up with some understanding of American music. Mm. I think it's good. I, mm. I, I, I liked it. Mm. It's as good as it gets. But when you get to Bernstein, I mean, I cover him a lot at the end of uh, The Dangers of Beauty. Uh, you listen to something like Candide, it's completely a cultural appropriation. He's stealing mm. this. He stole this from Shostakovich. <laughs> he stole this part from the Copeland Salon, Mexico, mm. and so on and so forth. It's terrible. It's terrible. He didn't have an original idea. There are people who complain about uh, West Side Story as uh, melodies being stolen from other places. Mm. I mean, okay, so everybody steals from somebody. Mm. Uh, uh, but I just think it's it's superficial. That's my feeling. Mm. Okay, a couple more, Doc? Yeah, let's do two more. All right. Uh, you touched on this before, but maybe you can expand on it. Uh, on Rumble from Hate for the Left. Uh, is uh, it is often said that America has no culture; it is all stolen from elsewhere. Do you believe this? No, no. I mean, in a sense, everybody the the, the music, the folk music of Appalachia, is uh, obviously we all came from somewhere else. This is Scotch Irish music, and it's kind of different. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it hasn't been congenial. The, the George Bernard Shaw said that America is a country that went from barbarism to decadence <laughs> without ever finding civilization along the way. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that Bavaria is the place where nature and culture have been harmonized better 
than any place else in the world. I mean, it just if you go take that trip on the Königsee mm -hmm. and you come to that that church. So pro the part of the problem is that uh, we didn't have a lot of time, and there's a certain group of people that no one's allowed to criticize that basically took over the arts mm -hmm. during this period of time. We've already talked about that. Uh, in we've already talked about that. So yeah, there is an American culture, but it's constantly struggling against commercialization. Mm -hmm. I mean, I said this about that house. Remember the the, the greenhouse in 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 um, California? It was on the cover of uh, Culture Wars magazine. A beautiful house. This is a man who understood that beauty was important. Well, green and green went broke. Because they got a reputation of being too slow and too expensive. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you have a, a culture that is devoted totally to commercial success, where does Bach fit into commercial success? Never. This is you cannot. This has to be a there has to be a spiritual dimension to your life. Mm -hmm. I think Bach was a saint. I know he was uh, Protestant. Okay, but when you listen to the mass that he wrote at the end of his life, I think this is divine inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the fact that he did a mass shows that he was heading in the right direction. But, you know, you can't, if you want a commercial culture, you're going to have art that's superficial, mm -hmm. because in order to be popular, you have to be a financial success, and they're not, they're not the same thing. All right, I can't find where the question is. I'll try to remember. It was a really good question. Uh, but someone on Cozy was asking, uh, is music always associated with logos? And then has music throughout history always had logos in it, even if it was like 10,000 years old, 2,000 years old? Yes, music is logos. There is a logos to music. This Pythagoras understood the connection between the order of the universe and the vibrations of a string and created these ratios. But then it, it turns out to, well, what do you mean by, by, by logos? Can, and this is where Plato comes in, where he says, basically, there are certain modes that you should not play for young people mm -hmm. because music can arouse the passions. You know, and if they arouse the passions in young people, uh, it's not a good thing. It can lead to the destruction of the city. That's precisely what uh, the Bache Euripides play is about. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's why I said, it's called the dangers of beauty. It's beauty. There's a logos there, but there's a danger if you emphasize the passions over uh, the order of the universe. And this is precisely what happened in classical music with Wagner, with Tristan and Isolde. It never got resolved. Do you know what I mean? You just modulated and modulated. And it was like, instead of me, you know, rowing to Mishawaka and coming back to the dock, he sailed off to the horizon and never came back again. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think? Yeah, it's, um, um, uh, music is always rational and music is, um, is, uh, has this inner power to, mirror uh, the the deeper rational order order of the universe yeah and um, the interesting thing is uh, we spoke about this cultural bridges uh, that the Chinese or the Japanese they they can adapt the European tradition and uh, this is very interesting yeah uh, there is some um, 
uh, universalization of this tradition, uh, which is astonishing and which is, in my opinion, an argument against relativism. Um, against I think so too. Yeah, I yeah. had I had this discussion with my daughter-in-law, yeah, yeah. who turned out was trying to propose the relativist position mm. in music, mm, no. and I said, "So I remember we had just the Lord of the Rings had just come out, and I said, can you tell the difference between orc music and Hobbit music? <laughs> there is an objective difference there. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You know this is the orcs. You know yeah, that's yeah. the Hobbit because yeah. of the nature of the music. Yeah. So uh, there uh, and um, there um. There are apparently some um, uh, high uh, mountains in the European tradition, uh, Mozart, for example, or Beethoven, and all mankind uh, feels that this is the Olymp, yeah, yeah. yeah, and 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 can and can understand it and can uh, um, perform it as this. Uh, Alle Menschen werden yeah. Brüder. Wir <laughs> yeah. sind hier mit dem Bruderfamilie. Aber das from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony mm. and that's a ritual now in Japan. Every yeah. Yeah, they, they have thousands, thousands of people are, are singing that. Freude, schöne Gotte, Funken, Tochter. That's when you get to the Gipfel, uh, to the yeah. uh, to the peak of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to thank yeah. Georg, for joining us today. Yeah. We're going to have our Thank concert you. lecture on Monday. Uh, it will take this thing to a whole new level. I know I am the best man who hums Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. Nobody can hum Beethoven's Sixth Symphony better than I can, but this will be <laughs> real music and it will make a big difference. So thank you for, for being with us tonight. Great conversation tonight. Thanks thanks for participating. And, and for everyone who's listening, we will be live streaming it on Cozy. What, what time is it going to be at? Eastern Standard uh, Time. Wait, we, we're going to have to we're going to have to deal with this later. Later, okay. Okay, we're sounds have to good. Deal with this later. In the works. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Make sure to subscribe to uh, Culture Wars Magazine at culturewars.com. Get the books at fidelitypress.org. Make sure to follow on all of our socials, and we will see you guys next week. God bless, guys. Thank you.